Chapter 40. What the heck? So there was no point in waiting for the tram to take us back to Navy Central. Instead, the six of us hit the skies, the warm breeze sticking our sodden clothes to our bodies. Total flew alongside me, still awkward with the whole flapping thing. He was getting better, though. Iggy and Fang took turns carrying Akila, who was 80 pounds of hot fur. Total tucked at her reassuringly, but she was not thrilled to be up this high. It took about two minutes to get back to the base, and we came down on the training field, landing smoothly and lightly in front of about a hundred stunned ensigns. The next thing we knew, John Abate, Bridget Doyer, and Lieutenant Colonel Palmer were hurrying toward us. You're heroes, John said, waving. We just heard about your daring sea rescue. I stared. How did you hear so quickly? We have you under surveillance, for safety reasons said the lieutenant colonel, stiffly. Actually, he seemed incapable of speaking any other way. So, from now on, if he talks, assume it's stiffly, and I'll quit putting that in, okay? Oh, for Pete's sake, I muttered, heading off to our hut to change. Fang, said Bridget, pushing past me. I can't believe you risked your life for that little boy. You're wonderful. I gazed open-mouthed as Bridget gave Fang a big bear hug, wrapping her arms around him. I was about to say, I risked my life too, but then realized I didn't want her to hug me. And I didn't want to look petty. And the truth was, the rescue had been a snap compared to other situations, like when Angel and the dogs had been trapped in the ice crevice in Antarctica. Or when we'd all been in a huge cage and my half-brother Ari had literally chewed his way through its metal bars to set us free. For example, today we hadn't risked anything except the possibility of our new genes shrinking up on us. My jaw was set in disgust as I stalked past them, my stomach clenching at the sight of Bridget pressing its fang like ugly on an ape. You must come have dinner with us at the officer's mess, Bridget gushed. Um, I'm busy, Fang muttered. My eyes widened, but I kept walking and refused to turn around. That's me. Suave Max. Hey, Fang said, falling into step with me. I looked at him. We have to eat. Let's you and me go into town. I'll treat you to the best artery-clogging Hawaiian food we can find. My heart began thudding painfully inside my chest. I wondered if Fang could hear it. You mean the whole flock? I asked casually, trying not to shriek with tension. Nah. They can eat at the officer's mess with Bridget and John, he said. I stopped and looked into his eyes, seeing nothing but my own reflection, as usual. Just you and me? I repeated, barely hanging on to my suavity by my fingernails. His eyes were unreadable. Yeah. Hawaiian food? Yeah. I was still grossed out by the Bridget display and wanted to coolly brush past him with a mild, I'll think about it. But the combination of having Fang all to myself, plus fun food, was rapidly pummeling my self-respect into the dust. Then I remembered something. The last time we... left the flock, all heck broke loose. I reminded him. He grinned. One of those rare Fang grins that lights up his face and makes the sun stop in its tracks. This time, they're protected by the U.S. Navy. He pointed out. I laughed. Really flooding through me. <laughs> well, okay, you've got me there. 
Oh boy, did he have me. Chapter 41 Was this a date? Those four words kept swirling through my mind, over and over, and it was getting to the point where I wanted the old voice back, just for a change of pace, to hear someone who at least pretended to be rational. Which I wasn't. So this whole thing was like a dream. All I knew is that we were in Honolulu. There were festive streetlights and store windows everywhere, crowds of people walking past, many sailors in uniform, an ocean, kind of all around us, and... me and Fang, holding hands and eating ice cream. And the flock was safe on a giant naval base where you can even spit without hitting an anti-aircraft missile. If life got better than this, I didn't think I could take it. I wanted time to stand still, and not in the creepy, someone just injected drugs into my brain so time has become meaningless kind of way, but just every second had weight. My skin was tingling, my brain was racing, and everything seemed extra whatever it was. Extra fun, extra beautiful, extra yummy. The hand-holding things seemed to have three times as many sense receptors, and I hoped it wasn't some new ability showing up. I was still worried about gills appearing. This totally felt like a date. And the beautiful part? He'd turned down Dr. Stupendous to be with moi. He dissed her, and dismissed her, so he could eat kimchi and ice cream with yours featherly. Max? I suddenly became aware that Feng had said my name like three times. Now he stopped and looked at me. Are you okay? Is the voice back, giving you instructions? Uh-huh. It's in the middle of the crossword of the day. He smiled, and we kept walking. No, I was just spacing out, I said, licking my ice cream. I had gotten a double scoop of mint chocolate chip and orange sherbet. Two tastes that tasted great together. Tomorrow, we'll leap into action, he said. So, last chance to space out for a while. Yeah, I just hope. I know. I'm sure she's okay. We'll get there in time. And I promise to let you take her kidnappers apart all by yourself. He knew me so well. Thanks, it's just... It's bad enough to worry about the flock. Is Nudge okay? Is everyone here? Are we together? Are we safe? I can't stand the circle getting bigger. I can only worry about so much before my head explodes, you know? He nodded. You know I got your back. You're not alone. I couldn't speak for a moment, so I swallowed hard and cleaned up a drip making its way down my sugar cone. Thanks, I said finally. I know. Suddenly, we were at a metal railing, looking out at water. Oh, is this the ocean? It keeps cropping up, what with the islandness and all. Fang dropped my hand and put his arm around my shoulders his warmth searing my skin through my jacket. I really, really hoped that I hadn't suddenly sprouted a quadrillion new nerve endings. Yes, it would make moments like this better, but the downside? Pain and torture would be a million times worse. Guess which one I was more likely to come up against. I finished my cone, sucking the ice cream out of the hole in the bottom before I realized how tacky and ungirl-like that was. Oops. I wiped my hands on my jeans and looked out at the deep blue water, glistening with moonlight, knowing that somewhere 
My mom was being held captive beneath it. Then I realized that despite everything, I felt happy, safe, complete. I didn't know what to call it. It wasn't something I was on familiar terms with. I just knew I didn't want this night to end. I mean, I did, of course. Because when the night ended, we would finally, finally, finally go save my mom. But besides that, I didn't want this night to end. Max. Fang put two fingers under my chin. I hoped it wasn't sticky, but wasn't sure. And gently turned me to face him. You're a million miles away again. Sorry. Once more, I cursed Jeb for not grafting the gift of Gab into my DNA. Jerk. Are you too worried about your mom? Do you want to head back? No, I said, meeting his gaze. No, I'm okay. Just kind of overwhelmed. I gave a little cough. I don't want to go back. I just want to be here with you. Something lit in his black eyes. Yeah? I nodded. So, you're choosing me? Okay, if this is what falling in love feels like, someone please kill me now. Not literally, overzealous readers. But it was all too much. Too much emotion. Too much happiness. Too much longing. Perhaps too much ice cream. I had to grip the metal railing hard with both hands so I wouldn't throw myself over it to streak away into the night, into darkness and safety. Tough it out, Max, I told myself. Or maybe it was the voice. But it didn't matter, because then Fang leaned down and kissed me, and I put my arms around him, right there in front of everyone, and kissed him back with everything I had. And then all heck broke loose. Because, of course. Because this is my life, right? Chapter 42 I miss her, but it's kind of nice not having Nudge be around all goody-goody. Gazzy whispered as they quietly shut the Quonset door behind them. How can you say that? I totally miss her. Angel breathed. Oh, guards ahead at two o'clock. Let's detour. Iggy, Gazzy, and Angel pressed themselves into the shadows as MPs carrying rifles marched by on their rounds. When the MPs were out of earshot, the three bird kids hustled across the training field to the high fence, then nimbly flew over it and headed to the beach, well beyond any radar. When they'd landed on the sand, Gazzy continued, I miss Nudge too, a lot. But you know, she was always the one who was like, We better ask Max. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Are you sure that's okay? And stuff. Gazzy had mimicked Nudge's voice so perfectly that the other two, for a split second, expected to see her standing right there next to them. Well, Nudge isn't here, said Iggy, kicking off his shoes. I wish she was. Annoying caution and all. But since she isn't, he turned and grinned. We can try the super-duper oxygen scoopers. He held up a couple of contraptions that consisted of pilfered scuba mask, a vacuum cleaner hose, the motor from a blender, and some charcoal briquettes. Gazzy held out his hand. Super duper oxygen scooper, please, he said solemnly. He and Iggy each on a contraption. You guys should really just try breathing underwater, Angel said, 
her hands on her hips. It's really important. Just try. Last time I tried, I hurled for a half an hour, Gazzy said, his voice muffled by the tube in his mouth. Max still won't swim in that stretch of the ocean off the east coast. Nope. For me, it's the latest handy-dandy inventuoso by that brilliant duo of mutant scientists, Iggy and the Gazman, who have genies programmed right in. Angel rolled her eyes behind her goggles, which Gazzy could easily imagine in the bright moonlight. Then she jumped upward, spread her pure white wings, and flew out over the water. Gazzy and Iggy followed her. When they were about a quarter mile from the shore, they all folded back their wings and dove in. Even at night, with their raptor eyesight, they could see a whole different world underwater and set off to explore. Their super-duper oxygen scoopers worked as planned, siphoning ocean water through some filters, separating the air out, and shunting it into the boys' mouths. Gazzy took Iggy's hand and touched it to his own, which was making a triumphant thumbs up. Iggy nodded enthusiastically. Look, sharks. Angel's thought floated into Gazzy's brain, and for a second, he was jealous that his own flesh and blood and feather sister could do that, and he couldn't. But his head swiveled until he saw Iggy pointing to the left. His heart quickened as he saw the enormous hammerhead shark seeming to glide lazily through the water. Iggy took the rebreather out of his mouth. I can sort of see down here. His board... His words were bubbly and indistinct, but Gazzy and Angel could make them out. It's like my echolocation works super well. He grinned hugely, then put his rebreather back in. Oh, big sharks. Again, Gazzy turned to see several more hammerheads slowly undulating through the water. He was close enough to see their weirdly dead-looking eyes, and he shivered. Meeting Angel's glance, he signaled to her. Make them go away. She nodded, looking disappointed, then fastened her gaze on the huge fish. It took several moments, and Gazzy had no idea what she told them, but the sharks gradually drifted away. Breathing a bubbly sigh of relief, Gazzy swam toward the large coral reef. He almost wished he could live underwater all the time. It was so peaceful. There were so many amazing things to see. Starfish clinging to the reef. A million different kinds of fish some of them tiny and brilliantly colored, and some of them... Wah! Gazzy shouted into his rebreather. Right next to him, about three times as big as he was, was an enormous silver fish, its body shaped like a gigantic silver dollar, rimmed with bright orange-red fins. The fish looked at him. Gazzy, frozen, looked back. The fish seemed to tilt its head to one side, puzzling over Gazzy, who could hardly breathe. Angel swam up, smiling. She reached out her hand and stroked the shiny silver side. The fish seemed to enjoy it and turned to her. Angel tickled under its chin. Gazzy could swear that it grinned. Slowly, he stretched out his own hand and patted the fish's side. It was smooth and cool, with tiny ruffled scales. It was like a big fish dog, practically wagging its tail fin with delight. Then, two things happened. First, several sudden, searing strings brushed it against Gazzy's face and arms, causing him to shriek and almost lose the rebreather. And then Iggy shouted, Sharks! Sharks! And they're bloody! The pain on his face and arms was so intense, Gazzy felt like he might pass out. But through the bloody water, he could blurely see the hammerheads thrashing, eating something big and white. 
At that moment, several of the enormous predators turned and spotted Iggy, Angel, and Gazzy. They no longer looked calm and placid. They looked sharp, powerful, fast, and hungry. With the jaws agape to reveal rows of razor-sharp teeth, they whipped their long tails back and forth, speeding toward the three bird kids. Chapter 43 Okay, I confess. When I heard the deep, rumbling noises and picked up on the bright flashes, even through my closed eyelids, all I thought was, Oh my god, Fang is rocking my world. Just like those teen magazines say, Does he put stars in your eyes? Does your heart skip a beat? Does the earth move whenever he's around? I was thinking, Yes, 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 all of those things. Then, I realized it was partly Fang and partly a bunch of M-geeks with automatic weapons. The area around me was being strafed with bullets. Because this is me we're talking about, not some cute teenager with shiny hair, a perfect smile, and no wings. Duck, Fang yelled, pushing me to the ground and rolling with me under a cement bench. Bullets sent chips of concrete ricocheting through the air. One shard hit my cheek, and I winced at the sting. I knew this was too good to be true, I muttered, and Fang squeezed my side. You think they know we're here to rescue my mom? Are we getting too close? Peering out from under the bench, we saw that there weren't that many of the dumb bots, maybe about twenty. They gave a new meaning to the phrase, heavily armed. As the gang of M-geeks slowly moved in, closing in a semicircle, all around us, people were screaming and running away. Soon would it be... Soon, we would be surrounded, with just a shot-up bench between us, and a bunch of trigger-happy robots grafted with Uzis. Max the leader stepped up. Okay, behind us there's a metal railing, then the cliff, and the ocean, I said to Fang quickly. Ease backward, beneath the railing, then drop down the cliff face. Wings out, we zoom up, and circle in back of them. Excellent plan, Fang whispered. Then what? No idea. Start backing. Fang shot up from beneath the bench, scurrying over to the cliff in less than a second. I was right behind him. I felt myself push off the edge and snapped out my wings. Then I was free-falling, praying I wouldn't hit the sharp rocks below before I got some altitude. The tip of my sneaker brushed one jagged boulder, and then my wings carried me upward, fast and hard. We swooped out low over the ocean, then circled back around the tip of the jetty. I was thinking as fast and hard as I was flying. We've got to get them over that cliff, Fang said as we began to come up behind them. They were still closing in on the bench, shooting around and after. They were still closing in on the bench, shooting round after round. The nearby trash can had been peppered with bullets. A sign hung down broken, and the cement bench looked like it was Swiss cheese. Most important, the metal railing had been shot to pieces, and would easily give way. Yeah. I frowned. Aren't they using the heat sensors? Don't they know we're not there? Maybe they're just programmed to go forward and shoot, Fang said. Or maybe someone's controlling them remotely, and they can't tell their target is gone. It was weird. Something felt off. There was a missing piece to this puzzle, and I couldn't figure out what it was. But in the meantime, those bots were going overboard. We came up from behind them, starting way high and then dive-bombing at more than 200 miles an hour. I loved doing this, 
It was like being in a video game where you have to recalculate your trajectory 10 times a second so you don't hit a building. A few seconds before we hit them, we swung down in big arcs, our feet out in front of us. Wham! I slammed into one so hard my teeth rattled. The impact lifted the bot almost two feet off the ground, sending it headfirst into the bot in front of it. Then, it was just a matter of domino effect. We backed up as fast as we could and did it again. Before they could focus on us, the first line had already toppled the root of the shredded railing and dropped 30 feet onto enormous, sharp-edged rocks. Kaboom! Only one of them managed to swivel in time to aim at us, but I went in low and kicked out its ankles, sliding on the asphalt and ripping huge holes in my best jeans. It tipped backward, then went over, still spewing bullets. Cautiously, Fang and I peeked over the edge. Things were still sparking. There were a few lights still on, but there was no way for a heavy machine to survive that fall. With the bazillion dollars it must have cost to develop that technology, you would think they would make them a little more impact tolerant. We knew better than to hang around. Already, police cars and fire trucks were screeching to a halt, sirens blaring, lights going berserk. Fang and I raced silently along the edge of the boardwalk, then jumped over the edge, around the corner from where the bots had smashed. Once again, we whipped out our wings and soared out to sea, flying low and fast over the water. The balmy night air felt amazing on my face and in my hair. So, let's take stock of the evening, shall we? Pros. Excellent Hawaiian food. Ice cream. Making out with Fang. And victory against murderous, bird-kid-hating killing machines. Cons. Well, the murderous bird-kid-hating killing machines, for one. For another, I looked down and realized that not only had I destroyed my best pair of jeans, but, in fact, they didn't even go with my shirt in the first place. Typical. Third, there was something dark speeding right toward us, going as fast as we were. A missile? A rocket? Our night wasn't over yet. Hey, and thanks for listening to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximary Bootleg Audiobook Podcast thing. I am your love at Marky, and don't have much to say this time. Uh, sorry for missing last week. I literally just straight up forgot there was so much going on, but maybe this week, next coming weeks should be a little bit better, hopefully. But there's an episode this week, so eh. Anyway, uh, I don't have any messages or comments or anything, so I'm just going to jump straight into the recommendation for this week. This week's recommendation is Where the Stars Fell, Season 2. So, when I first started doing recommendations of the week, the first one was Where the Stars Fell. But, I finally got around to listening to the second season, because there was only one season when I first recommended it. And now there's a season two. And it's really wacky and strange. I've been listening to it at work all day today, and I am about to be on the finale for this season. Ooh, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. Uh, For those of you who don't remember what the podcast is about or didn't take my recommendation the first time, uh, Where the Stars Fell is about a woman named Edison, or Ed, who is a scientist who goes to this town called Jerusalem to research like weird cryptid-ish things, just really odd things that uh, 
occur in nature but shouldn't occur. And she is roommates with a very uptight woman who is very strict, has lots of rules. Ed is very much the opposite. She's very crunchy, likes to be messy and stuff. It's very, very fun. But both of them have very mysterious secrets. They have so many secrets. Every episode, there's a new secret. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's my recommendation. That is Where the Stars Fell. And I will leave a link to their show in the show notes if you're interested in seeing that. If you want to leave me a rating review, that would be super cool of you to do. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at MaximumCrimePod at gmail.com or hit me up on my Tumblr over at Maximum-Crime-Pod. Alrighty, I think that's all I got to say for this time. So, until next time, fly on. Fly on.